0: Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another amazing podcast show. And this amazing uh, episode uh, today is uh, going to be absolutely epic. I'm going to, I'm going to introduce our guest very shortly. Uh, for you guys that are listening in on the uh, live show, of course, uh, we're going to be putting out useful links below. And for you guys that are listening on the podcast, of course, put all the show description notes and any links to today's uh, guest for today, which brings me, uh, which actually brings me to, I'm going to introduce our guest because really, really cool guy, someone that actually been following each other for quite a number of years, haven't had the opportunity uh, until now, right, until now where we've had the opportunity where we're going to be like, you know what, let's just jam, have a great conversation. Um, So who's our guest for today? So our guest for today is uh, a guy called Gary Das. Gary, entrepreneur, coach, uh, he's a best-selling author, he's a podcaster. And, um, you know, it's interesting because Gary's experience is actually in the financial sector. So on mortgage brokering, uh, that's where his kind of like bread and butter was. uh, In 2006, he founded Active Finance, built a figure business, built a business that he hated which we'll talk about of course and then um went through this what i call transition of change uh during their during three years and then uh, created uh, another spin to the business which is more kind of helping financial advisors and, and consultants build business that they that, that they love and uh, and you can effectively create a lifestyle the way that you want to create a lifestyle what is uh gary's big mission is is very, very simple It's to help uh you guys in increase profitability, but to be able to live life on your terms effectively, right? And one of the things of, of, about uh, Gary, and again, this is, these are three things uh, that, again, as observations from my perspective is, number one, he's authentic, right? So you'll know, being a, an avid listener, that we have really authentic li- uh, leaders. Um, Gary is one of those. He fits right into the box. Number two is he shares vulnerability. And I love that. It's one of the big strengths of a leader, uh, sharing vulnerability. He shares it on his social media links. He even talks to, uh, you know, and, and I love that about him. It's really great. And number three is that he really cares for people. You know, So and that's the reason why he's on here today because we're going to have a, a great conversation. We share very s- similar core values. Uh, some of the things that we're going to be talking about today, so just to give you some useful insight. We're going to be talking a little bit about some insights about the world of the financial world so where it all started for gary really we're going to try try and get a little bit more what the catalyst was around that we're also going to be talking a little bit about some of the sacrifices that he made when building a business that he hated right so we're gonna be talking a little bit about that because you guys might be in a situation which is similar right and how he got out of the rut okay we to talk about relationships and the knock-on effect to relationships, should we say? We're talking to talk a little bit about his thoughts and feelings, subconsciously, uh, literally. I have planned a session where, well, he doesn't really know this, but until now. Uh, but we're going to really do a deep dive here, like a real deep dive, and hopefully, you guys are going to get some useful insight. I know he's a great storyteller, uh, and he's going to hopefully share with you guys some of his struggles and adversities that he's made throughout the years. And trust me, there's a lot. There is a lot, right? So you're going to be, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, right? Whether it be in the gym, whether it be on the train, whatever it is, hopefully you'll get some useful insight. Now, if you guys are listening into this live, make sure you use the hashtag live, use the hashtag replay. Feel free to like, share, a comment in the comment section below as well. Uh, we're over on Apple, Spotify, uh, and on Google. Uh, but actually, Google, are actually getting rid of that platform. They're so using YouTube music, actually, uh, transition change very soon. So, listen, that's the format out of the way. So, let's bring the man on the, on the show, Mr. Gary Das. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much indeed for having me. And now I feel like I've is. got really big boots to fill based on that introduction. So... Yeah, hopefully I do everything you <laughs> said
0: justice. <laughs> As it you know, buddy? It's really, good, it's really great to be on here anyway. So, you know, really looking forward to today's conversation, man. Yeah, it's been a,
1: a long time coming, and I appreciate you, appreciate you giving me the time and obviously your audience giving me their
0: ears. Yeah, no worries, no worries. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, just because people don't comment, right, um, you know, people are always watching. And I kind of use that analogy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm always watching you, not like I'm copying you, or emulating you. I'm curious because you're a curious kind of guy. And it's just interesting because you are great at sharing some of your highs and some of your lows. And, uh, you know, anyone that says, and I don't give a shit what, what anyone says, and you, and maybe you're the test of this, is it, is it easy being an entrepreneur in a business? Really? Is it easy being an entrepreneur in
1: a business? No, no, definitely not, is is probably the simple answer. I would definitely say that the longer you are in it, it becomes easier, but every Mm. new level has a new devil.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's a great line, Matt. Love that. And uh, back in the clubhouse days and even listening to even the people that come out of the worm that are... like seven eight figure biz owners or whatever it is that say oh it's easy to run a six figure business i don't i don't agree with any of those statements like all of these kind of you know statements of uh, you know you can grow a seven figure business in a couple of weeks or whatever it is let's be realistic let's be fucking realistic come on you know rome wasn't built in a fucking week ladies and gentlemen um so no not a business either so anyway, rant over, rant over, Gary. Um, let's get back on. <laughs> let's get rant. back on. To, <laughs> you Love a good old rant. Um, I want to get some insights because um, I know that you've you started back in two thousand and three, two thousand and six, when Active Financial came into play. But love to kind of get some like useful insight in the world of G, um and what the kind of catalyst was when it came to like jumping ship of maybe kind of like thinking to yourself, well, I could have got a job but decided to open a business, you know, kind of like, what was the beginning like for you? You know, what was, you know, was there an identity crisis going on? Like what's the insight there?
1: I'm quite fortunate that for as long as I can remember, my dad has been Uh, self-employed and growing up, my parents went through really hard times um, kind of between the ages of around about six and sort of 15 for me. So, you know, there was, I was doing like North World Market in Harlow and boot fairs with my dad every Saturday and Sunday. And it was just a chance to, you know, kind of hang out. Little did I know that I was developing proper good sales skills at such a young age. Um, But when I had several temporary jobs after college and uh, knew that I wanted to go into work, I'm built for office work and not really built for any trades or anything at all along those lines. And after earning 60,0, 70,0 60, 70 000 at about the age of 18, 19, and squandering most of it. It just came to a point where dad said, Go and work for a bank. And because of my sales ability, you know, I progressed really quickly with the Woolwich. They said you need to become a mortgage advisor. Uh, and then they moved me to a branch called Southwood in town called or a village called Southwood and Ferris, where the age demographic doesn't need any mortgages. So I, I sort of started <laughs> a journey of, of job-hopping, really. I went from there to Connells to Alexander Hall. Uh, and my last employed role in 2005 was for a guy called Pete running a company called one trust mortgages. There was me and a girl called Emma. And within 11 months, we were specializing in adverse, bad credit. Uh, it was around about the time that money supermarket came around and we were doing a hundred thousand pound a month within 11 months. And I just, I was sales and compliance. Pete was leads and marketing and Emma was back office and customer service. Uh, And I just said to my dad in the November, you know, can I have two and a half thousand pound? I know how to buy a lead name and a number. I want to go self-employed. And that effectively just sort of kicked me off. And I I, I always say this to people. Lots of people reach out to me because of YouTube and stuff where I talk about becoming a mortgage advisor, like corporate background, um, high level training in the sense of, you know, having a manager up my backside, if I wasn't doing my appointments or converting the insurances or maximizing every opportunity, Um, then running a business for somebody else and pretty much running the whole kind of ship and being mentored in running that ship. I spent two years as a mortgage broker off of the, you know, out of my dining room table for a couple of years, because why not? It was an easy start to business. But I was gun-ho ringing friends and family and, you know, trying to leverage every which way possibly I could to get a booked call. Um, But it was the best start to self-employment having sort of gone through that transition over sort of three, four years, you know?
0: Mm, Love that. Some good stuff there. And I I, I suppose because you already had that um, experience in knowing how to bring leads in, I suppose, but the, then the market the market can then change, can't it? You know, just because, um, you know, one particular lead generation strategy worked, say, in 2003, doesn't necessarily, it's going to work in 2005, right?
1: Mate, I, well, I, I, because we were doing adverse credit, I carried on doing the adverse credit and buying those leads, names, and numbers. And then what happened in 2008? We had a crash of the, you know, the economy crashed. America went to shit. January 2009, yeah. I had no business. Um, right. So there was no mortgage leads to buy. There was no lenders to, to give mortgages to. So that then led me to the diversification of what else can I do? Life insurance, critical illness, and income protection, which was the business that I built over seven years and made huge amounts of mistakes um, and essentially ended up building you know, a business that I, I hated and had me mm-hmm. financially trapped and emotionally and mentally trapped, to be fair.
0: Mm, interesting. When you uh, when you were built with with regard to um, you know the the of active financial side of it. Yeah, mate. I mean, what was the kind of what was the kind of like, I don't know, thought patterns there? Was it because you started in mortgage brokering, and obviously the financial crap came in and stuff like that? Was you forced kind of like uh, rather than kind of uh, deciding on building a business that went parallel? you know, horizontal that you had to then go kind of like wide in terms of like product offering and stuff. Was that, was that kind of the thought behind that?
1: Yeah. So we'd, we'd always been doing, um, mortgages, you know, bad credit mortgages was, was kind of the title. That's what I did for the, for Pete as an employee and then did for myself for a couple of years. And I'd always mm-hmm. offer life insurance, critical illness and income protection, as an upsell you know in a business sense you want to have your ancillary products that you're offering off of the back of your core product life insurance critical illness income protection home insurance always went in alignment with that and it was you know when i just when i was sitting there in 2009 going what the hell am i going to do it was like well what do i know a lot about what have i done before right life insurance so then i started buying life insurance leads um and it was completely different to you know everybody needs life insurance but nobody wants it so, it was, and selling it off the back of a mortgage was you, you know, much easier to do than someone who's submitted a life insurance for inquiry, you know, life insurance inquiry online. Um, mm. So it required a change in mindset, changing skill set, learning new techniques over the phone. You know, my my self-employed journey started with me um, buying leads in the most valuable postcodes, and then I was like, well, mm. I'll travel to their house. That was sometimes an hour and a half in the car, and I was like, "Well, I'm now maxed out because I can't, you know, travel." So I then I was buying them all around Watford and the M25. You know, right. Um, right. sometimes you get stuck in traffic for three hours. So I was like, "Right, now I've got to do it over the phone." <laughs> and can I do it over email? And slowly but surely, sort of clawed back some time to make more business, do more business. So when the life insurance kicked in, I was very much a telephone based advisor with with people that were comfortable buying inquiries off the internet. Um, and then sort of started to scale that model. Really, after that,
0: when you were buying, when 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 you were buying the lids and stuff like that, I mean, what did you? I mean, I mean, it's such a hard job. It's a bit like you know, back in the day when you had someone knocking on your door and selling, you know, windows and conservatories, right? I guess I've it's the that. same kind of analogy. <laughs> exactly. You know, being a, sort of a market trader and doing your, did you find that particularly? Challenging, like emotionally, you know, because you'd only get so many like nodes I mean, you travel like an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back. Say, as an example, and at the end of it, like nothing came off the back of it. I mean, how disheartening did it become? And you know, did it drive you crazy?
1: Yeah, great question. It was uh, the fortunate things is like in my years of I always knew I wanted to work so. From the moment I could, at sort of 15, I was a cocktail barman in a restaurant where I didn't take cash because they t- only took cash in the restaurant. There was no separate bar, you know? I did summer jobs doing um, pulling plastic off of salt and pepper pots and all this kind of stuff in a factory. And one of the jobs that I did was rightly, as you said, Zenith windows that we have in Essex. So my yeah. mani- the, the training that I got on day one was, you are going to have to get 99 no's to get one yes. So my brain and mentality right said, Right, I've got to find 99 no's. So every time someone just called me a twat or called me a wanker or put their phone down <laughs> on me or, you know, left me sitting there on for, for for 30 seconds while they just basically played like they'd hung up or gone on somewhere. You know, my goal was like just ticking off one, two, three, four, five. Every single no was one step closer to that success, which I think, as I think back now, that's probably the NLP saying that sticks with me is there is no failure, there's only feedback. And it's like you have to keep finding the failures in order to get closer to the success. And I think that was bred from from that hardcore sales kind of environment and of just banging the phones as hard as you could. But as you said, I in my I realized very early, I think one of the first or second appointments I did in that mortgage sense was like, call you up. Hey Adam, yep, let's do a mortgage. Great, I'll come around and see you. You know, 60 minutes in the car to get there, absolute waste of time. 60 minutes back home and I was like right I'm never doing that again the second call was like right what are we doing blah 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 send me a couple of documents got some commitment you know and almost went out with sort of 50% of the work done and then it was like 80% of the work done then I was going there just to get some signatures and I was like well now I'm in the house for 20 minutes and I'm drinking your tea and having a coffee for no real reason just pull the trigger and you know don't even meet these people there was no internet or zoom or anything around back then, really." Love it,
0: love it do you feel like from your experience, do you feel like you created this like rhino skin this thick skin and the more nose that you got you kind of like did it get did it prepare you to kind of like continue forward to get those yes definitely
1: yeah it's it's you know you you've you've kind of got pain or gain haven't you really and it's it became mm-hmm. that thing of feeling the pain led to
0: closer it led to more gain really when you when you were building active financial like during that during that sort of ten year transition um you know i mean from your perspective i mean you bought i mean you achieved huge amounts of things right i mean you you i mean to to achieve and build a seven-figure business over that period of time i mean that's quite an achievement and obviously to walk away from it's obviously tough right but i'd love to know like in your 10-year tenure if you like at the helm what sort of sacrifices did you have to make uh when building that business like you know and, and sort of what what were your thoughts on thinking when you were you know get from the time that you were getting up to the time that you went to bed
1: yeah it's it's the way i would describe it was just i was just an idiot i was for want of a better word i was arrogant <laughs> with the mindset that nobody in the business or anyone that i recruited could do it as well as me uh, i thought that doing more and working harder and longer hours would technically make me more money um i didn't learn about leadership or delegation or you know, any of this sort of stuff that I have done since 2016, but the short Mm. sort of history was 2009 started doing insurance. Uh, later that year, I let my best mate buy in because he was a good salesman. Um, we Mm. didn't split our roles. So when I went on a honeymoon for two weeks in 2011, with both of us doing nine till nine for two years, we took our first couple of employees on, we then scaled the team to around about seven, but you know, Mm. I was in the office every day from nine till nine. Cause I still thought that's what I should. And slowly, but surely he wasn't. Um, and we never sat down and devised these are your roles and responsibilities. These are my roles and responsibilities. And this, hours is we're going to drive forward. We were both trying to drive the car and it was just causing a car crash. Um, <laughs> so I bought him back out in 2011, uh, and then sort of kept my PA got rid of everybody, kept my PA, and started again in in sort of later years of 2011. And then up until Mm -hmm. 2015, um, carried on building the team, but the life insurance companies that I was still buying the leads from, doing no emails, doing no marketing, purely spreadsheet basis. If I spend X, it will get me this amount of leads. If I convert this many leads, it will make me this amount of pounds. The life insurance companies started multi-selling the leads. People started sacrificing commission. Um, the business model just became much more harder and uh, much harder and much more volatile. And I wasn't managing my advisors as well as I should, because I didn't really understand. I was just like, you know, military, this is what you got to do. Why aren't you freaking doing it? You know, and and managing everybody with a, with a military mindset, rather than realizing that people have different personality profiles and not everybody is like me and likes a solid kick up the ass. Um, (laughs) And yeah, just, it's just, I made a hell of a lot of mistakes. I was back to work three days after my first daughter was born, um, missed out on holidays, various other little things, because I was, I had no passion or drive. I was chasing a pound note and I hadn't really, you know, thought about vision, mission or values, or even really where I was going. It was just a case of this is how much money I need. I'm going to do anything I can to kind of make it. And when I made it, and got to that point of sort of 2015 and we built, you know, we moved into this house that I'm in now, it was like, well, mm. what the hell am I doing all of this for? We've got a great life, but I absolutely hate every day of it between the hours of nine till sort of eight,
0: you know? Right. Right. Makes sense. makes sense. What, what was your, just out of curiosity, what were your relationships like, you know, like with your wife and family, the personal relationships as well as this, how, how are they, you know, did it have a knock-on effect to day, the day-to-day that you were doing? Did it have a massive knock-on effect to the relationships that you were creating, or should we say, not creating and nurturing? Yeah, uh, one of the things that I think
1: I'm good at is I'm very much, I'm very much my a prodigal product, a prodigal of my own father, I suppose. I'm a product of my own father's doing. You know, <laughs> he he's very old school. He's eighty years old. Uh, you know, my mum never worked, proper old school kind of family values. She cleans the house and raised the kids. And and that was her job for my my brother's 17 and 18 years older than me. My sister's 12 years older than me. I was a bit of a, a uh, an afterthought, shall we say. Um, but his whole attitude was, you know, very unemotional, very sort of detached, which I now realise as I obviously get older, but I didn't really realise it at the time. You know, any emotional conversations were with mum, and he was very logical and and sort of the business side of he would run the line at football and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I carried that into my own relationship, and I literally would get out of my car outside the house and almost change as a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, and if Aisha asked me anything, it was it was just a case of no, everything's fine. I'm 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 all good. You know, and I might have. So at some point, so I'd be crying on the way home, you know, because it was just absolutely tearing me to pieces with, with the, the way of spending £20,000 a month on low quality life insurance leads that we needed to measure, monitor, manage and manipulate to the nth degree to, to maximise every sale and every opportunity. And it was only during COVID, doing a podcast episode, that I kind of ended up telling her and saying, actually, 2015 was probably one of the worst years of my life. And she
0: never even really knew. Interesting, interesting. Wow, that. Well, I guess that was a bit of a, a, a bit of a game changer, especially in the household. I suppose. Um, I know that when you uh, when you kind of decided to scale back operations, you know, with active financial. Aid, I mean, that first realization where you thought, "Okay, I've got to change. So Something's got to give here." What yeah. was going through your mind? Like, what? How did you feel at that point of time? before you kind of decided, Do you know what, I'm I'm making the decision. I'm gonna scale back. Like what would what were you actually thinking at that time? What was your mind going through, you know, and how was you sleeping and stuff like that? I'd love to love to get your insights on that. Yeah, the
1: the sort of the end of 2014 was when I started to notice that things were were going down the pan, shall we say, or not down the pan, but the conversions were getting harder, the business model was becoming tougher, the quality of the lead mm-hmm. wasn't as good. I was sort of starting to diversify and as you said actually going back to your sort of last question I think the reason why I could shut myself off at home was because I was taking all my anger out on the team in the office Mm -hmm. so it was almost that ability to you know they were the ones who were dealing with the leads and that was frustrating the hell out of me so it was just like I was almost a horrible boss through through the first you know six months of 2015 and I was taking it all out there which allowed me to then come home and kind of be like actually Different person. Um, surprised that the team actually stuck with me for as much as they did, to be fair in hindsight. But, <laughs> crikey. Um, but what actually happened was in the uh, obviously, we had the credit crunch in 2009, property prices started to recover. We moved in 2011, mm. and then we wanted to move again in 2015 when our eldest daughter was starting school. So we wanted to move into the school catchment area. And I went to my bank and said, okay, we want to move home. And they basically said, you can't because you left all the profit in the business. And I'd been thinking through 2015, I've got to get out of this shit. I can't continue to do what I've always done because this is just killing me slowly, but surely. Um, it's not how I want to live my life, etc. And, you know, law of attraction subconsciously or, you know, divine intervention, whatever you kind of want to call it. The bank saying no was like, that's an opportunity. Because I'd made th- hundreds of thousands in profit, I just hadn't withdrawn it at dividends. Got so it. I phoned 180 lenders in three days in the July. Um, had a mortgage offer within sort of fourteen days after my bank told me I couldn't do it. Uh, we moved into this house in the October of 2015, and I basically said to everyone, all, all fourteen people on my team, you all need to find new jobs in the next three months because you're not going to have one by the end of this year. Um, and I kept my PA again, and then started as a self-employed mortgage expert, having only done one mortgage, which was my own, and then started leveraging social media and stopped buying leads was basically the gist of it. Wow. And
0: what, what sort of reaction did you get from, from your team like when you told them that? Um, whether, did, was it anger or what, what, was it, what was it like? I think for some
1: of them, it was probably relief <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> because of the way Just in which the- I was being or treating them. But it was it was amicable in the sense of the way, obviously, the life insurance world works, for example, is we might do a life insurance policy today and some of those would pay in two weeks. You know, same with the mortgage. You, You do a life insurance policy today. If someone's got medical conditions or something like that, it might take three months for it to go through the doctor's surgery. You know, we do a mortgage for somebody today. It takes three months to six months to complete. So I knew that I had work in progress and a pipeline of business that was going to do, you know, would would carry us through till the end of the year. But I knew that that pipeline would disappear by January. Um, so I think the, you know, from an integrity point of view and my point of view, I was like, I don't just want to close the doors and keep all that money to myself. And slowly but surely, people were able to find jobs that they really went to. And there was, I think there was, there was an element of some of them were relieved that perhaps I'd found another way of moving forward because we we'd got quite a good relationship and I think having seen it when it was easy and you know we were going out we were having fun it was like a I was going to say it was like a wolf of wall street but it wasn't in the slightest we didn't have any drugs or strippers or hookers (laughs) or anywhere you know um but it was like we were having fun we were we were living a good lifestyle we were going out we were having drinks we were enjoying our Friday nights we were a sales environment so we did you know, ring a bell and stuff like that to to keep the energy high. So <laughs> people were here, and then because of the quality of lead, we were all of a sudden down here, and then I was down there, and then I was barking. So I think they knew that something was up, and I was quite open and honest, as as you probably as you said earlier on my socials. I, I generally am, um, yeah. but they couldn't really do anything to help me. So the fact that I found a solution out of it and then gave them the autonomy mm-hmm. and time to to find something new for themselves, I think you know we're still kind of if i see them all now i'm perfectly fine with them in the street
0: and all that kind of stuff you know oh, oh. Did, did 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 you ever feel like there was like a particular person that was very resentful or remorseful towards
1: you or and so sort of how did you deal with it not that i can particularly remember um mm. i think the the thing that i the, the mistake that i made adam was everyone that i recruited from 2009 until 2015 had zero experience in life insurance, critical illness, income protection, or even the industry. Because I thought if I get someone who's better than me, you know, my own ego in that sense, um, I trained them to do the job. I had sort of trained them my way. Um, So I think there was, there was no kind of resentment because I'd given them that opportunity to, to kind of come in. Um, And I was letting them leave sort of amicably, but again, stupid mistakes on my part because that's the thing that I've done differently now is, is everyone on my team has got way more experience and he's way better than me at so many different things you know
0: love it love it how did you uh, just out of curiosity how did you like embrace your new life after scaling back operations like what did you, what did you discover about you a bit like going self-employed a bit like getting rid of my business partner uh,
1: a bit like getting rid of the team after sort of I bought max out and stuff like that and again, the finding the no's would lead to a yes sort of mentality. Mm. My dad was always very much, you know, grab a piece of paper, draw a line down it, advantage, disadvantages, good, bad, whichever side is bigger is your decision maker to kind of move forward because you can't sit procrastinating for forever. So it was just a simple line down a page and and whichever, you know, whichever option is, is better is the one to go with it. So I never painted the picture mm. to my wife that it was bad as it was. and you know, having just doubled our mortgage, not cost ourselves any more money because of the way I extended the mortgage term and all that kind of jazz. We doubled our mortgage. We moved into a bigger house. My daughter was starting a new school. Um, and then I'm starting a business all over again. I think the, the big thing, you know, you asked me way back in 2006, I think if you're going to go self-employed, you just have to use the analogy, burn your boats. Do you know what I mean? You've just got a hundred percent back yourself and go all in and just not look back. And that was, that was kind of what I did. I, I closed the door on 2015. I I actually got the, probably one of the most, I probably got the drunkest I could have done on the 31st of (laughs) December, 2015 to say goodbye to that year. And January 1st with a horrendous hangover was just like, right, forget that. This is where we're going. And we're just focusing
0: forwards. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. It's interesting. You know, like, I mean, I'd love to, again, I mean, from being a company director of a seven-figure business to going back to self-employed, did you feel like it was like a massive backstep? Or did you feel like actually it was quite kind of the opposite? Because again, I guess it depends on how you define success, doesn't it, Gary?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it was almost like a rebirth and a chance to go again, but do everything different and not make the same mistakes that I had and take those lessons um, and sort of apply them differently. And, And I realize, you know, now in hindsight and stuff, the biggest thing that I didn't do up until 2015 was any form of education. You know, now it's so freely available through TikTok channels or podcasts like this amazing one or audio books or, yeah, I didn't do any of that stuff until 2016. And in 2015, in sort of a, a year of self-discovery, which I suppose I found Tony Robbins and I sort of started watching a bit of NLP on YouTube and realizing that watching some of that stuff, I was the fucking problem. Um, and it was me that had to change i needed to sort of as i say close that door on 2015 and say right let's start again but let's do things differently and give yourself an opportunity to to sort of build things in a better way um so yeah i never even that question never even really entered my head i never even had the thought of going from business owner back to self-employed it was just a case of this is what i'm doing and i'm doing it for this reason to change everything yeah. going
0: forward, I suppose. It's interesting because I guess you've gone through some massive mental shifts, you know, yeah. over the years. I mean, you know, with uh, even kind of having to deal with like the past and your mum and stuff like that, which you, you, you know, you, you, you really were very open on social media about it. Um, how did you, how do you feel your mental uh, capacity or, or the mental shift? How do you feel what's made you feel over the last years? Like, what have you seen? Like how do you how do you feel within yourself from making those shifts from one transition to another? What if, what I love that. again, I'm trying to get your insight. Yeah, 20,
1: 2016, I knew that I needed to change, and I I did an NLP practitioner course, and I sort of started to learn business. You know, that was the thing that I really realised. I know I had I've always had a hurt work hard mentality because that's what I'd seen in my father for so many years. You know, he, he was sure. running a ten million pound a year business, but was still too involved in too many different roles because that was his own thing and super successful and stuff. But I thought hard work was what would create what I wanted, but it ended up creating something that I hated. So the the hustle and grind mentality was what I had from 2016 right the way through until 2021. Um, you know, mm-hmm. still continue to work harder, but work smarter was kind of the mentality and the mindset. And then certainly over the last couple of years because I missed so much of my first child's birth when Willow was born in 2014, I was around a little bit more cause I had to be cause she was cesarean. So it sort of forced me to, to help out a little bit more at home and, and Emily was going to nursery and things like that. But when Hunter yeah. was obviously born in, in 2018 um, we were now in this house and we'd sort of come out of the, I was in the new, the new world should we say of, of my rebirth back into mortgages after a seven year outage Um, And having two others, you know, that forced me to be at home that little bit more again. And then we had obviously lockdowns. So then we were all forced to be at home. Um, And that really, really sort of since, and yeah, really since 2020, seeing him grow up more than anything else and, you know, being at home a hell of a lot more made me realize how much I'd missed over the previous years, but also then losing mom early 2022 it completely shifted my mindset into, you know, I actually value time more than money and it was a real big kind of wide awakening. And I think equally it is easier to say that because I'd had some relative success financially again, you know, in, in that point. So it's, it's much easier to say you can value time over money when you've got money, you know, when you're starting a business, you can't. Um, but now I am, I am out and out a lifestyle based business owner. You know, I, I, I don't have desires necessarily of, of building a huge empire or anything at all on those lines. I don't have a, I don't have a passion. I don't even like, I don't like mortgages. I don't like property <laughs> particularly. I've done it for 19 years. All this passion purpose bullshit is, is I think is, is literally bullshit. There aren't many Ben Francis's who can, you know, who can love making clothes and then end up building a billion pound or billion dollar Fitness brand in Gymshark. There isn't many personal trainers like Jay Wicks who start an app that now is the most famous personal trainer, even though he's not very good. Um, you know, in the world, <laughs> we don't get that luxury. But what True. I do enjoy more than anything else is solving people's problems. I look at, you know, a mortgage is a puzzle. I love puzzle solving. I didn't play them as a kid, but you know, solving problems. <laughs> creating solving um helping people to to move forward to get better results to um make their biggest financial decision in their life to achieve more mentally physically financially whatever it is you know that's the sort of stuff that really lights me up and that's why I was able to to do or why I'm able to be in the mortgage industry for such a long period of time because it it ticks a lot of other boxes even though I don't really like the product or the service you know
0: mm. Very, very, it's very, very insightful. This is really cool stuff. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna shift the conversation. Actually, if I may, because I mean, what's really interesting about your story is that you've probably probably carried out every lead generation strategy on the planet, right? You know what works. You know what doesn't work. You know what you like. You know what you hate, right? You, you probably are what we call the the king of 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 going through that. Like, and I'm sure that a lot of people that are listening. In, Are probably are really super grateful to listen to this conversation because I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned based on building a business, right? So lead generation, what have you found over the last, and even though the industry has changed somewhat, COVID has changed things a lot, there's a lot of things that's changed off. But let's just go present time. Would you say what would you say last 12 months? What are the, should we say, most effective lead generation strategies for advisors, consultants, people that want to build a business? What do you enjoy the most? What are the things that people should stay away from? Right. Uh maybe that they're maybe it was something that you did in the past that you thought fucked that. Don't do that, right? Just don't do that. Okay. Do this instead. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um so social media has obviously changed a lot since 2016 when, when there wasn't as much noise as there is online. There wasn't as many social media channels. So I still think it's highly important, particularly if you're starting from the beginning, to pick one social media channel that you can really master. And that one social media channel initially should be the most likely that your clients are hanging out on. And it's very different to... Someone who's a solo person, you know, a self employed individual, maybe just one or two people, they've got a bit of a PA or something like that, versus someone who's got a 10 person business because you can afford to outsource and invest that little bit more as a larger team. So, as a solo person, you know, where's your ideal client hanging out? Uh, And most likely, LinkedIn is probably going to be one of the best places because the algorithm still gives you reach outside of your followers. But I'm a huge fan particularly for anyone in small business of leveraging long form into short form and with the wonders of ai now as it stands today like so much that i've trained since 2019 so since march of 2019 i've worked with more than 700 financial pro- services professionals or professional services businesses but so much of what i've trained has just gone now because ai can make 80% of the work you know so much easier So what I would, what I do, and I think is the most efficient way for, you know, for us as, for us as individuals where possible record one YouTube video or something like this every single week, um, rip the audio and put it out on the podcast channels for those that don't want to watch. And, you know, I don't particularly watch YouTube, but I will listen to Spotify or Apple or wherever, um, because it's easier to do on the go. So if you create the video, you can rip the audio and put that on a channel. Uh, you can then, using various AI plugins, you can get the transcription into ChatGPT, and you can then utilize that transcription to then create a blog, an email to send to your list, some social media promotional posts. Uh, you can you know, create some, I was going to say Twitters, but they're not Xs now. I don't even know what we call them. Some X's, tweets, yeah. what they
0: called it? Well, X's. Are I think those, that, and they are X's. They must be X's or yeah. X's. Uh, not some crosses, not some crosses cross there. Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: you know, but from that, the the beauty of that as well is if you leverage AI, the the thing that's going to really fudge people up in the future with AI is when you go to AI and you say, "Write me a blog on X topic," because if I did the same, if I did that and you did that it would pull the same data and information from the same sources and they would sound very much similar. Whereas when you do it from your transcription and your own voice and you say to AI, you know, here's the transcription, create me an email, maintaining tone of voice and, you know, language patterns, sentence structures, it can then pretty much create something because it's given you've given it you that sounds and, you know, is like you. Um, and then that has the ability, there's even, I don't know if you use this, so this might be one for you, but if you put a video onto YouTube, there's an AI called Opus Clip that will essentially take any YouTube video, depending on length, um, and turn it into you know 10 short form pieces of video-based content. Um, it can still require some editing after that, but you can get that done on Fiverr or People Per Hour if you're still that solo person, or like me, I've got a full-time sort of videographer and then i've equally got a full-time marketer doing the google and the facebook ads etc but collectively between the three of us you know that that content is getting put everywhere um and you can even ask the ai you know to to suggest five youtube titles to suggest hashtags to go with the youtube description to suggest um three to five word thumbnails Because your thumbnail obviously, what captures the attention, you don't want it to say just the same thing as your YouTube title, etc. And as I say, the the thing is, is it can help in the thought process, but equally speed up your time investment, which means that you can, you know, repurpose long form into short form, and and actually just get yourself out there farther and wider than
0: than absolutely possible. Love it. Good stuff. That there's some really good stuff. So some good tips there, ladies and gents. Um, really, conscious of time now because uh, we, I mean, we, me and Gary could be pretty much here for hours speaking about conversations. We've just got a lot of well, not only have we got things to catch up on, but I mean, listen. I mean, hopefully for you guys that are listening in, that you're gonna, you, you've got, you've made, you've heard some great lessons from Gary because I think there's just a, there's just a lot. It doesn't matter if you're an advisor, consultant, coach, whatever it is, healer, whatever. There's just a lot of insights, a lot of things that you can absorb there. And it's a lot of lessons to be learned. And one of the things that I learned, especially from this conversation, and in fact, in a lot of conversations, and I've done over a thousand podcasts, by the way, is you just never know enough. You just never know enough. And, and being able to get useful insights from not being able to make mistake or learning from other people's mistakes so that you don't learn them yourself or don't embed them in you is so hypercritical. I mean what do you think about
1: that Gary? Definitely I I think learning vicariously through the mistakes as a, of others is by far mm. cheaper than trying to figure everything out for yourself you know it was it was one of the things that I learned sort of 2016 I was like right what do I need to learn okay mm. I'll pay this person to do teach me that I'll go to this person to teach me this and that's really um more expensive because you're paying someone for a bit of one-to-one time or small group time, but you're paying, you're, everything's going to either cost you time or money. And for me, you pay a little bit of money up front, but you shortcut the time to get the result and the outcome. And mm-hmm. a time is our most Definitely. valuable asset. So yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with group, what you said.
0: Um, just out of curiosity, like, I suppose my last question is, is, where is? I mean, it sounds like you're having a bit of a ball now, like you, you're in a, in a happy place. Harry's happy place, right? With his team, got a good lifestyle. I know that you had a a baby about six months ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, You know, everything seems on the outside, you know, hunky-dory, if you like. Where do you see yourself going over in the next five years? Like, how do you see, do you see that there's going to be sudden changes or you just gonna kind of like stick to what you got and make sudden refinements?
1: Yeah, we've, we've I've, I've kind of gone back on my journey and looked at, you know, 2016 was a year of reloading the industry. 2017 was a, a year of networking and getting out of the social media world and sort of seeing some people face to face. 2018 was a year of um, restructuring systems and processes. 2019, a year of recruitment. Uh, 2020, for all of us, was a year of just riding the wave, <laughs> dealing with whatever <laughs> came our way. Um 2022 was just a year of survival because I lost my mom and the baby came 2 months early. Um and this year's been a complete year of restructure. Um mm. so I I looked at my business that I'd sort of created. I've I've sacked off, I bought into a will writing company, I started a couple of other business opportunities. Um mm. I've closed mm. the doors on so many things that I said yes to because I had more time to to sort of think and do. And this year's been a a year of restructure, re-recruitment, sort of getting Uh, a much more solid foundation. And next year is just wholly and solely a a year of profit. Uh, So we've got a good, you know, I've got a good team of 22, I think now. Um, 10 of those are based up and down the country because I recruited them during COVID. And, you know, some of the highest Scotland as far west as Wales, but, you know, taken on seven people in the last sort of six months. Um, So it's really about embedding them in their roles, getting everyone confident and comfortable in where they're at. And obviously, my other, my other training, my other business is my training business. I run a mastermind for, for financial services professionals every month. Um, that's really what I truly enjoy because it's, it's, like you say, it's, it's teaching those people not to make the same stupid mistakes that I did. And I'm an avid learner and an avid implementer. And I get to teach them the stuff that actually sort of comes out and works. Um, so, yeah, next year is holidays every half term is the goal. <laughs> um saying no to more things that i don't enjoy and you know just trying to, to slowly but surely enjoy the journey of business growth because actually it's it's that's been the biggest realization for me i put so much emphasis on money and the goal that that is what led me to be entrapped into building something that i hated since 2016 i've focused more on just the journey and i've had way more happiness in that because i'm 42 you know, my dad still works at 82. Um, why am I trying to do everything tomorrow? Why am I trying to do everything next year? As you said, right at the very beginning, Rome wasn't built in a day. So if we actually just give ourselves a little bit more time, we take the time pressure off and we don't go as gray as quick and we or as, you know, get as many wrinkles and, and we actually get some time to, to enjoy what we're, we're trying to achieve.
0: Exactly. It's a, it's a good point, actually. It's a, it's a really good point. Guys, listen. Um, I hope that today's been really useful. First of all, Gary, just want to say thanks so much for being on the show. I think you've shared some great stories, um, you know, and it's just, been, it's just been really, really great to jam. You know, we can't be here in person or whatever it is, because I'm in sunny cypress. Sorry to rub your nose in it, but you kind of knew that anyway. Um, <laughs> <It is. laughs> um, but listen, it's been an it's been absolute ball, mate. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you very much
1: for having me. And I hope the audience obviously got some value from it. It's been a pleasure and I'm glad we got to do it in the end. And I look forward to having you on mine in the not too distant future.
0: Definitely. Well, guys, listen, I hope you've enjoyed uh, my Gary's conversation. If you have, please do me a favor, go over There's the show description notes, follow Gary over on social media. If he doesn't respond, which he probably will, uh, but one of the team will respond to due of course uh, Follow him over on LinkedIn, on YouTube. He's there. He's got his. And obviously, his podcast as well. Make sure you go check out his podcast. Uh, By the time, again, depending on when you're listening to this episode, he may have already changed the name. But type in Gary Dash, You'll find (laughs) it. He's done lots of episodes. All good, all right? So word of warning, ladies and gents. But listen, in all it's been a great session today, guys. Hope you've enjoyed today's session from me and Gary. Take care of yourself, and we'll see you soon. Cheers now.